smoke and 13 degrees in downtown Calgary. Good morning from Global News. It's 9 o'clock. I'm Madeline DeBellis. It is the last day of Calgary Stampede 2021 and the greatest outdoor show on earth is celebrating with free admission to everyone today. Stampede Park opens at 10 a.m. today and free admission will run until midnight tonight, subject to park capacity. Tickets are still available for the last night of the rodeo. The outdoor event is the first legal mass gathering of people in Alberta since the COVID-19 pandemic hit the province nearly a year and a half ago. More news in a moment, but first, 770 CHQR helicopter traffic. In the northwest on John Laurie Boulevard at Brisbane Drive, there are lane closures and speed is reduced to 50 for ongoing construction. Own a home in Calgary? Switch your mortgage to CIBC and get up to $3,000 cash back. Conditions apply. For the 770CHQR helicopter, I'm Vanessa Arate. Well ahead of a possible election being called by the Prime Minister, federal NDP leader Jagmeet Singh has been making the rounds in Alberta this weekend. At a stop in Calgary yesterday, Singh told reporters that even with just one seat in the province, the federal NDP got more done for Albertans than the federal Conservatives. A lot of folks have seen in this pandemic, the Conservatives that represent a lot of the seats in Alberta really can't point to a single victory that they fought or won for people. The New Democrats, despite being smaller in number, were able to fight and bring in a lot of real help that made people's lives better. And we're proud of that, and we're proud that people are seeing us as their champions. That's what we want to do, fight for people, get them and their families the help they need, make sure workers are supported. And we're seeing that because of the work we've done, there's some good momentum building. Singh says one woman stopped him in Calgary wanting to thank the federal NDP for fighting to extend the Canadian recovery benefit, previously known as CERB, saying it meant the world to her. Alberta Health Services says staying indoors is the most effective way to stay clear of the wildfire smoke coming into the province. Medical Officer of Health Dr. Michael Zachary says other ways to help include closing windows and turning off fans. But wearing N95 masks outdoors could help, but it's not confirmed. N95 masks only filters particles, but not the toxic gases and vapors. It needs to be well fitted and tested in order to provide adequate protection against uh, the particles and particulate uh, matter. Dr. Zachary adds if you or anyone is having breathing troubles to immediately call 911. At least three people were wounded in a shooting outside a Major League Baseball game in Washington, D.C. Chaos inside Washington Nationals Baseball Park as gunshots were heard just outside. There was just pandemonium and clearly something bad had happened, but no one really knew where it was and misinformation was clearly just spreading quickly because no one knew what happened. Gamegoer Zach Persing among thousands of fans running for cover in the sixth inning between the Nationals and the San Diego Padres. D.C. Police Assistant Chief Ashan Benedict says the shots were between individuals and two cars. Two vehicles were involved uh, in a shootout. So one vehicle pulls up, another vehicle pulls up next to it, engages that first vehicle uh, in gunfire. A massive investigation underway. Derek Dennis, ABC News. Global News Sky Tracker weather a special air quality statement is in effect for Calgary due to all the smoky uh, conditions. A high of 23 today, partly cloudy tonight with a low of 16, tomorrow mainly sunny and 25. It's 13 degrees at 9.04. Breaking news when it happens, our next scheduled update is at 9.30. I'm Madeline DeBellis.
Good morning and welcome to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs and it's July the 18th, 2021. And uh, it's amazing how quick the summer is going by, mid-July already. And it's a smoky one out there this morning, last night. You can see the blue skies. It was really quite nice. And then now all of a sudden uh, we look outside and it's definitely (laughs) smoky. So, uh, so just be careful out there when you're, you're outside, uh, breathing. If you have to go outside, if not, they're recommending you stay in. I'm going to go to the rodeo today and check out the final day. Um, so I'll just take it easy down there and, uh, it cools it off, I guess, a little bit when good things, um, a few things in the garden that are going on, a uh, bunch of your hydrangeas are probably all starting to bloom like crazy. Um, so that should be looking good. And this heat, again, just keeping everything hydrated, especially some of your newly planted flowers, your trees and shrubs. Just that slow, deep watering is important. And, uh, but, man, I'm seeing some growth on, on columnar aspens, a lot of gladiators, a lot of good growth. If you have the proper moisture, a little bit of food in there for your trees and shrubs. You're going to see growth like crazy in this heat. Our leaves on there, they work like solar panels. They're just absorbing all that energy like crazy. And uh, my one of my favorite pictures of the season, um, one of the listeners sent in those gorgeous yucca photos. This sent in a, a stream of a few more. Man, they're beautiful. Beautiful. And we do have yuccas in stock down at the at the garden center. So if you have that super hot spot um, that you maybe struggled to have something grow, um, soil's not too good, really hot, dry, try yucca. And uh, that's what this uh, listener caller did. And man, they, they're beautiful. They look like outdoor orchids. Like they're unbelievable. Like they're just like Honestly, how how tall would they be? Three, they got to be four to six, four to five feet tall at least. Yeah, they go up past the window from the ground, so they're four to five feet high with the blooms, and they just look like big white orchids. They're they're absolutely gorgeous. So, um, thank you again for sharing. But that's where the plant is in the right spot, the right thing, right up against the foundation. So, again. Hey, Conrad, our landscape designer, if you're listening, um, there's a good spot to put some foundation planting. Sedums, autumn joys, yuccas, things like that. Don't put your legal area in that super hot spot. It will not do well. It's too hot. We'll put those into the shade. If you'd like to join me today, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255. Or 1-800-563-7770 if you'd like to call me. Phone lines should be wide open, and hopefully they're all working properly this week. I know we had some issues last week, but I think we we should have everything all fixed up. So you should be able to get through. So if you'd like to give me a call, that'd be great. And um, another thing we're going to see at this time of year is fire blight. And I'm seeing a bit of it on some hawthorns, some of the apples. I just got... Uh, uh, photos. It's got a text of a hawthorn with a soccer ball stuck up in the tree. It looks like you have a not a great case. You got a bunch of fire blight getting into your trees. 
unfortunately, the lilac just needs to get thinned out that you sent a picture of, but that hawthorn, um, that needs to get cut out. And what happens, it's when it's sort of that hot and we get into the beginning of July and and the spores are just sitting there, like a lot of the fire blight spores are growing. Now they're sitting on the trees. And when a rain hits like we had, it just, it, it just boom, it just explodes those spores. Same with mushrooms in your lawn. I have a ton of people asking about mushrooms in the last bit. It's going to be a cycle for the next couple of weeks because all those spores were sitting there. And then when we had those flash rains, when and that really heavy rain, that's what it gets in deep. It makes those spores come to life, and then the mushrooms grow. Um, so the best thing to do is just pick them. Um, don't worry, like don't um, don't mow them is probably one of the worst things you do. Then you're spreading the spores all over the place. The best thing is just cut back your water at that point and pick all the mushrooms as best you can. And and don't worry, like it um, they will it'll come and go as quick as it uh, as it is. So. Well, hopefully <laughs> that's my theory anyway. So, um, so if you'd like to, again, give me a shout 403-974-8255. And I'm going to go to a few phone or a few more texts. Good morning. What's bothering my potato? Oh, that's a bad fungus. Sort of when you see leaves curl up and go really, really hard. Um, it's a fungus. So unfortunately, those potatoes, I would almost dig them up and throw them away. It's pretty contagious. So you need to rotate the crops. Could you tell us what's bothering our potatoes? Um, and it just it gets in there and it's, it also affects tomatoes, potatoes like that. And that all it just reminds me of people, unfortunately, if you really get really bad arthritis in their fingers, it just curls them up. That's what these potato leaves look like. So, unfortunately, you just got to dig them up, turn the soil over, leave it really lumpy, and then rotate the crop. Try to use something else for for, for next year in, in that spot. Ooh, I'm getting pictures. And that's one thing I'd like when you if, you, if if you're out in your garden, you want to share some pictures with me, please do. Ollie just sent in beautiful picture, hydrangea. And then I got some Shasta daisies. So all that stuff should be just taking um, bloom right now. And you should start seeing. I know I got a topiary hydrangea. And man, it's just it's gorgeous. And and this is the time of year. I have some limelights at the front of my house. They don't get enough light. Like they're on the north side, I guess, of my house, northeast. And just not quite enough light. It takes quite a while for them to bloom. They'll bloom about uh, mid-August, they start blooming, which is a little bit late. I, I would prefer if they would bloom earlier. So I think I might pull those out, maybe move them to the back, and then uh, put something else, maybe put some Annabelle's or something in the front that will grow. So it's important to put plants in the right spot. That way you're going to get the blooms growing in, in, in the perfect perfect spot and uh, and not struggle which which is important. Got a, a picture from somebody. Who is it? Hi, Merle. Oh, Walter. What has happened to my Dakota Pinnacle birch? A couple of years ago, did the same thing, only leafing three-quarters of the way up. The next year was just fine. The only thing, it's 
I, I wouldn't say that doesn't look like a Dakota pinnacle. It looks like a clump birch, clump paper. Um, so what I would do is feed that really quite heavily with Rage Plus right now. And what it is, it's just a lack of, of water in a dry spot, which is, it looks like you have it in a fairly moist spot. Um, you have the eave trough running right down at the base of it, which is perfect. So it's unusual that, that you're losing that much on the growth on the top. But give it a few doses of Rage Plus, like every five days for four to five cycles, and just see if you can push some life back into that. And I'd probably start that right away as well, if you could. Hi, Merle. Can you please repeat the answer to mulch under a spruce? Under a spruce, Which specific product out of your bulk bins? I really like using the Foothills Premium because um, I go with the brown. I, I try not to use the colored ones underneath spruce trees and things like that because then all the needles and everything falls into it. It's just really hard to keep that the darker colors. Like we have a black and then we have a dark brown. On this, I would just go to the natural because that's really what you're trying to do underneath your spruce trees and a lot of your trees. Just trying to recreate the forest floor, and that way it holds the holds the moisture in, creates that. That way the needles can get in there. And the reason a lot of times spruce trees drop needles, it's for protection as well. So when those little weevils and all the different bugs are crawling up, they get caught into that. Uh, into all the little needles, and it's very uncomfortable for them to crawl up there, so they tend to go elsewhere. So, but that's it's called Foothills Premium, and uh, they're just asking for the specific one in our in our bulk bin. So that's that's the one I would I would recommend definitely. And I think I'm going to probably take a quick break, and when we get back, Jen's going to join me. We're going to see what's going on down there at the garden center. And uh, if you'd like to, again, call me on the phone lines, 403-974-8255. I'm going to take a quick break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. And Let's Talk Gardening is brought to you by Spruce It Up, your year-round full-service garden center. Spruce it up, green it up, prune it up. We got you covered. And right now we're going to go to Jen, and we're going to see she has this covered in uh, annuals, tropicals, perennial area. Good morning, Jen. <laughs> Good morning, Merle. I got you guys covered. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah, everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. Yeah. So a little, little smoky this morning over there at the garden center. Yeah, but it's it's so pretty. I I don't know. It's not the smoke. I mean, that's not that's not fun for anyone. I don't think, but just. The overcast, kind of a break from the heat, the the drizzle that's out there right now. It's uh, I don't know. It just felt like a calm, cool morning. Yeah, kind of kind of makes the bloom stick out a bit more. That's why I noticed mm-hmm. this morning. I was out in the garden earlier, and uh, I just uh, had to fix my gurgler. I have a gurgler oh, no. rocks, and one of them wasn't working, so I had my hand down in the pit this morning trying to <laughs> fix the pump. Got it going. So, good but job. that was uh, yeah, that was uh, that was a good. It was fun. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, and again, I, I sent you uh, pictures of those uh, yuccas. Aren't they yeah. beautiful? Yeah, they're stunning. Those those uh, flowers. That's yes, absolutely. And, yeah, and that's what's what I like when you when you get your perennials or any of your trees or shrubs or or whatever. If when you get your plants in the right spot, they're going to perform for you. 
And <laughs> and that's true. what I see with so many gardens or or things where these the wrong plants are planted in the wrong area. Mm-hmm. And and they just can't perform. Like if you're trying to grow echinaceas or or see them in total shade, they're always going to look spindly. They're just not going to look good. Yeah. But if you put Brunaria or Hostas and Ligularias and uh, Annabelle Hydrangeas in there, yep. boom. Yeah, no, it's absolutely true. People, I think sometimes they really want a particular plant, but they just don't have the right spot. And they try it anyway, and it'll live, and you're totally right. You know, they get by, the plants will get by, but they don't perform the way they should, for sure. No, I- Absolutely. So, what um, what do you got going on right now? Like in your areas, you got uh, a few little tropicals. What else? What do you we, got? Going we on? got all the things. The trops are. Uh, we're definitely dialing up the volume on the trops, which has been really, really fun. Um, looking around for those and shopping for those for our customers to to have in here. So we have that going on. A lot of. I was running through the perennial house this morning to look for who's flowering. So we have a, a lot of flowering stuff in there, and I love the different colors. The delphinium that we just got in, the blue, is it's just like a, it's this glowy blue. I love it. Um, we have, well, the liatris is coming into bloom pretty soon. The echinacea is all blooming right now. A lot of the days are blooming. Um, oh, gosh, I wrote them down. The hostas, a lot of hostas are blooming right now. The joe pie weed, um, phlox, but people are... And, and- and when you're walking around, if you're if you're out in the gardens or if you're walking by, if you're having to go through Riley Park or if you're at the zoo or or just walking in your neighborhood and you see something, and that's the nice thing. Like when you when you're shopping at a garden center, you can take a picture of something, and, mm-hmm. and most of the time we can identify it for you and try and set you up to get you that in your yard as well. So if you see something, you happen to have your phone with you, I don't. Don't poke your phone and take a picture through the window. No, just, just take a picture of the plant. <laughs> what are yeah. you guys having for breakfast? No. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. But it's yeah. true. That's that's where the phones really come in handy. And and uh, we've had lots of customers come in recently. You know, this is in my neighbor's yard or this is in my neighborhood. And what is this? And uh, it's fun, actually. It's fun identifying that and kind of helping them. It's like them. a weekly radio show all through the week. Yeah. I get, I get all my pictures on the text here. Um had a just had a great text, um, and uh, actually maybe I'll I'll get you to help me out on this one. Okay. And uh, hi Merle, I scored some perennials this week. Many of them are sun lovers, but was thinking to dig a hole in a shadier spot in my garden to put them there in their pots until it's not so hot. Is this a good plan? Okay, so they uh, just a temporary kind of situation yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and then the, I think the hazard, that's what I was going to bring up today. Is it transplanting in the heat that they don't want to do? Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. what they're trying to avoid that. And, and I, and I see that, but I, for the most part, if you get out and, and dig the hole in the morning, I, in my, my opinion, and it, will it be fine to sit in the shade for a, for a week or so? Absolutely. It'd be totally yeah. fine. Yeah. Um, if you want to avoid it, but if you, if you get out early, um, dig your hole, plant your perennials, and put a little mulch over them, and and really hydrate the root ball. It, they'll be fine. Like because our soil, it, it's still cool. Like it's it, it takes quite a bit to heat up our soil, yeah. and uh, <laughs> you, you dig down a, a little bit, eight ten inches. It's still kind of cool down there. Right. So I I think for the most part, um, as long as you're hydrating your plants, um, you should be totally fine planting even in this heat, but just try and do it in the morning. 
Yeah, well, I was going to say, I tell people, gosh, like, relax, enjoy the weather. <laughs> Wait till it passes. That's what I've been saying. <laughs> right? Because yeah. you have to get out there and make sure they're doing okay, too. But, um, but yeah, I know people are definitely buying and, and just waiting a little bit, which is fine. Either way, right? As long as they're staying on top of the care. Well, I, that's I the feel bad. Thing. I see all you guys working hard. I see our landscape crews out. I see our pruned up crews. <laughs> um, so... Uh, if I can't go plant a perennial, then there's something wrong with me. Uh, <laughs> I got yeah. to well, walk the walk, eh? Hey. Walk the walk. Yeah. Giddy up, Merle. No, it's, it's yeah. been, and well, I don't know for us too. I, I don't know about landscape. I haven't talked to Luke, but uh, yeah. And Chris, I, I, you get used to it. You know, you kind of get conditioned. We've had this heat kind of going for a while now and it doesn't look like it's going to end. Next two weeks. Yeah. No. So again, this is where mulches come in. Good ground cover proper for like fertilizer for your roots and and just good water if that's if you're not fertilizing not doing anything else try and get a bit of mulch down mm-hmm. and 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 watering and just that slow deep watering is your is your best bet still Absolutely. And before you go, because I'm looking at the time row, um, annuals, all annuals, 50% off over here. And same thing with pond plants. And I don't know if you are planning to mention anytime soon or hours are going um, back down to nine yeah. to six for a while. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. No, thanks for the reminder. I totally appreciate that. <laughs> and bet. I totally forgot. Yeah. But yeah, nine to six now and uh, seven days a week. Seven days All right. a week. Well, th- All right. Thanks, Jen. Thanks, Merle. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. All right. I think I'll take one more quick call before I take a break. We're going to go to Rosalyn. Hi, Merle. Hi there. How can How I help are you? you? I'm doing great. Good, actually. thank you. Uh, my aspens, I'm having an issue last year. I did have um, browning disease. And oh, okay. I, I got uh, those uh, branches and leaves removed. But this okay. year, what I noticed is um, part way up the trunk, um, there's a like exposed trunk, I'd say, uh, wrapping around um the whole trunk about I'd say a foot long and then another tree um, I have like dark dark patches close to the bottom and then the branch that came out of that was dying Uh, can you tell me what's the problem here Um, part of that is fungus and and on the where your where the bark is missing, would that be caused from like physical damage of some sort? No, no, uh, nobody treads around there, or I didn't okay. do anything around there either. Other than um, when they remove those uh, branches that have the browning disease, so yeah. that. Um, would that cost it? Yeah, and yeah. Well, sometimes they will. They'll ooze out of those areas where they were where where they were cut. Uh-huh. But as long as they didn't cut and tear the bark down, you know, like when you said it's a foot long, that's the only thing that concerns me a little bit. Because mm-hmm. um, that's where that bronze leaf disease comes from. Most of the time is when you have exposed bark. Like if someone puts a weed whack or you get some damage at the bottom, and then that's sort of how that virus gets in there. And then it spreads up into the tree as well. So, um, I w- is there a way you could send me a picture, Rosalind? I, I tried to, Merle, this morning, 
It just okay. won't go through with my iPhone. Okay, I even if you could spot by the store, if you take a yeah. picture, bring it by and let Terry have a look. All right. Um, and then we'll get you set up. Okay? Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Rosalind. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, I'm going to take a quick break. For the news you're listening to, Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Smoky conditions and 13 degrees in downtown Calgary. Good morning from Global News. It's 930. I'm Madeline DeBellis. It's the last day of Calgary Stampede 2021 and the outdoor show is celebrating with free admission to everyone today. Stampede Park opens at 10 a.m. and free admission will run until midnight tonight, subject to park capacity. Tickets are still available for the last night of the rodeo. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh is making rounds in Alberta this weekend ahead of a possible federal election being called. At a stop in Calgary Saturday, Singh said he wants to help get Alberta's economy back on track and people back to work. He also spoke on health care and the climate crisis. A special air quality statement is in effect for Calgary due to smoky conditions. A high of 23 degrees today, partly cloudy tonight with a low of 16. Tomorrow, mainly sunny and 25. It's 13 degrees. Breaking news when it happens. Our next scheduled news at 10 o'clock. I'm Madeline DeBellis. Welcome back to Let's Start Gardening. And I also just want to say thank you to everybody who came out last weekend to say hi and uh, and join us in our 15-year festivities that we had down at the Garden Center. We had cupcakes and we had ice cream and some T-shirts we were giving away. And we had our printed up and landscaping teams out there discussing what they can do for you out there. So anyways, just want to say thank you to everybody who said hi. Um, I really appreciate it, and uh, even in the rain, and it ended right at 11 after the show, but uh, uh, it just showed me uh, truly um, the the Spruce Peeps are in full force out there. So, uh, again, thank you so much, and uh, we look forward to being with you in your gardens for the next 15 years. So uh, it's amazing how fast it's gone by. So, anyways, I'm going to move on, and we're going to go to Don. Good morning, Don. Merle, good morning to you. I have two unrelated questions. Uh, I inadvertently burnt uh, some spots in my lawn when I was fertilizing it. The spots are the size of a dinner plate or so. Uh, Tell me, does the the fertilizer burn the roots and will it come back? It'll, It'll come back. So what I typically do when I do that, if it happens, if I happen to stop, the when I'm dropping the fertilizer and it just all goes heavy in one spot, I just get my hose. I take the nozzle off the hose, and I run the hose right on that spot, like with the water coming right out of it, and sort of with on turned on full blast, and just sort of so it digs up a little bit, sort of loosens up the soil in that area, and uh, and then it'll, it'll wash out the heavy fertilizer as well. And before you know it, that'll grow right back in. Okay, thank you. And my second question is, I've got a, a weed that spilled over from the uh, the flower beds. It, it's a creeping bluebell, and it's spilling over into the lawn. What yeah. can be done about that? It, it's a tough one. You have to be fairly diligent. Um, you could try the Killex or the or the Roundup. Uh, be careful, Roundup in your in your grass. Obviously, it'll kill the grass. But the Killex 
if you get out there and just give it a good few sprays, like even on a day like this is good. And, uh, and then even early in the morning on some of the hot days we have coming up when the sun's just get out there. You have to be a little bit diligent with it though. That's that creeping bellflower. So, or you just got to dig it out out of your beds, but it's super invasive. So it's, it's one that you want to get a hold of. Okay. And, that's uh, good. Thank, thank you, Merle. All right. Take care. Bye. Yeah, it's that creeping bellflower. We used to have one. It was called uh, clover thistle and uh, chickweed killer, and uh, they that one's got taken off the market. Um, but the Killex, like I said, if you are fairly diligent, it was uh, it would definitely um, eventually take it out here. Right now, I'm going to go to Mark. Good morning, Mark. Morning. Hey, how can I help you? I've got a lawn uh, or the property I just bought. The lawn hasn't been taken care of, and it's really, really lumpy. So I've got the grass growing. But when you run the lawnmower, it's just uneven as hell. And I know a lot of golf courses will put sand on it to keep the green nice and smooth. Is there any yeah. kind of sand, soil, seed mixture you can put on a lawn? Well, you can just more or less create your own. Like in Calgary... Um, is it lumpy, like with little lumps, like dewworms, or is it just uneven? It's just it's just uneven. Like you know, it was really dry, um, just poorly cared for lawn. So I'm trying to get it. Yeah. So so what I would do, yeah, what I do first and foremost is obviously get it on a good feeding program, get it yeah, healthy I'm, first, okay, yeah. and uh, and then I would just in those low spots to just get. Like either a, a big yellow bag or or get some um, three in one bags from us or just topsoil plus, yeah. and then just just fill in those areas. If there's lots, you'll probably need to get a, a larger load. And if if you go right. an inch at a time, it it'll, it'll fill in and it'll level out, and you'll be amazed at how if your grass is healthy underneath there, it'll gobble yeah. up that loam really quick. Um, okay. I find with the sand, it just more disappears into ours. So you got to give it a little bit more substance um, okay. to that. And okay. and uh, yeah, and once you get it healthy, it's amazing. It it will level out quite quite quickly. And just okay. if you have those really bad dips, just inch at a time, it'll grow really quickly through there. And if you're using our okay. green up lawn fertilizer, it'll make a big difference. So, all right, awesome. All righty. Thanks so much. Thanks, Mark. Yep. Take care, Take care man. Bye-bye. And I still have time. I'm going to go to Jamie. Good morning, Jamie. Hi, Merle. Um, Hi we've there. We've got a couple of questions for you. We sent some pictures. We have some dead-looking red uh, needles on um, a couple of spruce trees. Just a couple okay. branches of the tree. The rest of the tree looks okay. I'm not sure if we should just prune those off. What's your, last, what's your last three numbers of your phone number? Um, zero three seven four or seven five. Okay. <laughs> okay, I'm just trying to go through here, and if I can see your text, uh, yeah, there it is. We will call to discuss the red spots. There we are. Um, yeah. So that looks to me, it doesn't look like it's a needle cast or anything. I would just cut those off. It could have been maybe a little bit of physical damage or just a little bit of drought damage but on those ones there i would just cut those two or three branches off okay and and because they won't come back and if you when you pull them up 
it, is there little dots underneath them? Like, and I can't see them in the picture, but that's you, you kind of mentioned the red spots. But that's just the red uh, branches. If you if you yeah. look at the yeah, when you get to the needles, if you see little tiny dots, it could be needle cast on there. But okay. it doesn't look like it to me. I just think that's just um, maybe a little bit of physical damage at one time or something. I would just cut those out and and then just see what it does because it doesn't seem to be spreading or anything. The rest of the tree looks fairly healthy. It's a little bit odd-shaped. looks like you had weevil at one time where it took out the leader. Yeah. Yeah. Well, did At one time, did you get that weevil where it sort of curled over? Um, possibly. We have quite a few trees, so um, I know we've yeah, had hard a little to keep track. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, so that's sort of what I would do. Um, I would just cut those off, and uh, you totally should be fine. Um, and if, if you're trying to keep this tree a little bit nicer, if you want to put some mulch around it and just cut off some of those lower, little bit lower branches that are, are dead on the bottom and uh, put a little mulch around it, and, and then that'll definitely help. Perfect. Great. All right. Uh, we sent another picture as well. Um, we've got vermin in our um, raised garden, and we're not sure if it would be a vole or what. The garden is on cement um, blocks, and then it's raised yeah. before that, and uh, something has gotten in there. Yeah, I and see that. It doesn't seem like it's a mole. Um, we tried the mole trap on it, too. Um we're not sure how to get I would, rid of it. I would, I would just set mouse traps along the top in the soil, right along okay. the top. So when it does come up that hole, it'll get caught in those traps. And okay. uh, yeah, because you definitely have them barricaded very well, like for the deer or anything else. So you have a nice little setup that looks awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Okay. And, Thank uh, you. And I got, I got a picture of your. Uh, you have a nice lemon or li lemon or lime tree, or maybe yeah. both. Both. Yeah, they're doing fantastic. We took your advice and put them outside, and they're they bloomed a ton in the spring, and um, or I guess early February, and now they're blooming again and yeah. uh, producing tons. Yeah. So, and they look like they're probably ready to be um, transplanted too. You got them still in the regular pots. Uh, you look at getting it. You just look for one that's a little bit. Don't go real wide pot. Go a taller, skinnier pot. Whatever you can okay. find for those. Like those good. The terracotta ones are good. They, they yep. like that, so. Okay, perfect. Thank you. You're very welcome. And that's all I do is just get mouse traps, put them along the edge, because when the mice or whatever comes up in there, um, they'll tend to always run along the side, and then you can catch yeah. them that way. Okay. We'll do that. Alrighty. Thanks. All right. All right. Take care. Thanks, you Jamie. Bye-bye. All right, and I'm going to take a quick break. If you'd like to join me after the break, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255 or 1-800-563-7770. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. And if anybody's watching the British Open, it's uh, it looks a little moister there. I guess it may, I don't know if it's a different time of year than when they normally have it, but uh, typically it's usually bone dry there. Right now, it actually looks a little bit lush over there. So uh, uh, if you're if you're happy to be watching a little bit of that, but right now I'm going to go to Brian Rottenfusser. He is with the Calgary Rose Society, and uh, I believe their show is coming up. So good morning, Brian. Good morning. How are you doing today? Very well. 
And we had a bit of moisture overnight, which will help. Yeah. And this is um, this is actually pretty good temperatures for roses. <laughs> the roses have been loving it. If, yes. if there's a problem, it's it's that the blooms are opening so fast they don't get to the full size that we sometimes see. But uh, lots and lots of blooms. Are you? Um, do you like to use mulch in your in your rose beds or? Most of my roses are in pots, and okay. I, I do a, quite a rich mix, which has a lot of mulch into it. Yes. Okay. So you you bring them, you bare root them every winter, every fall, and then store uh, them, and then put. I, I have a uh, a number of schemes of how I get them through the winter. <laughs> okay. Because okay. I have so many of them. And this year I have extra many because I, I did a lot of cuttings last winter, and those are now all in pots. So I'm going to have a, an awful lot of roses to figure out how to store them for the winter. So when you're taking cuttings, so a lot of the roses that we get to grow here in Alberta are always grafted onto a hardy rootstock. Yeah, so when you're I, taking I, cuttings, you're, you 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 won't have that, correct? That's right. Uh, the hard the the hardy roses come as bare root roses, but the tender roses come grafted onto a hardy rootstock. But I'm I'm dealing with the miniature roses because I just don't have space to try uh, doing cuttings okay. and propagating the the large size roses. I've tried them. And okay, they outgrow <laughs> what I can handle. So, do they do you, do they propagate fairly easily? Uh, yes and no. I've gotten a lot better <laughs> at it. Uh, okay, but, but there are some that are difficult, and and some that root really easily. Okay. The, the and first I guess time, it's uh, the first time I knew that you could even do this at all was visiting a friend who had just put in some miniature roses, and he said, "Come look at this." And he said, I just got him planted, and the darn dog, he had a huge dog. He said, the dog laid down on him, and it broke off a bunch of branches, and I was so mad, I just grabbed them and stuck them in the soil. And look, they grew. <laughs> and from that, so, I went, hey, you mean we can grow these things from cuttings? <laughs> yeah, and that's sort of where I, I'm coming. I haven't, I didn't, I've never really known anybody really take a whole lot of uh, rose cuttings, because typically if you're growing them here, you got to graft them onto hardy rootstock and all that stuff. Well, the miniatures um, are nearly all on on their own roots. Yes, yeah. So, so with that, um, it really depends on the time of year, I guess. You want to do it when the when you get nice new growth, right? Like it roots that, a little easier when it's softer. If, if you, I took them all through the the summer and fall last year. I got into it because I started to realize that we were losing a lot of the varieties as they gradually died off. The suppliers yeah. have cut way back, and some of them get old and want to retire and so on and so i started trying to to do them to increase the number of varieties available and uh learned as i but went you, you know what it is too it's a lot of these licenses like proven winners and all these guys they keep pushing so many new varieties on on the growers that they only have so much room so a lot of the old ones and even there's a lot of good old ones that unfortunately get pushed aside because for them to keep the licenses for the ones that they really, really want, they have to grow these new ones. And so sometimes it works against us as consumers. We end up losing some of these good varieties and, just because of space and, uh, and they don't, just don't propagate them anymore. And, so. and I'm the one who does the rose order for full-size roses for the, the Rose Society. And, and, yeah, I'm familiar with that, that 
roses that were in the catalogs even two years ago sometimes aren't there anymore. Yeah, do you, and I I haven't noticed the sterling silver as much, and that used to be one of my favorite, and I've had a harder time getting that. The argument is that the new ones are more disease resistant, and I read not long ago that the old ones uh, mostly used to bloom on about a 60-day cycle, and the newer ones bloom on a 45-day cycle. Yeah. That's fine. I like more bloom, but I still like some of those old favorites. Well, and I find some of the new ones aren't quite as fragrant as the old ones. Like That's what I always remember growing, the sterling silver. And that was one that just still sticks in my head. Man, it was so fragrant. Like it just, yes, like it just oozed the fragrance. Fragrance? So. Um, I can remember being at the, an International Rose Conference in 2009 where they were discussing that. And some of the major growers said, that's just not one of the criteria that we select yeah. for. But within the last 10 years... They have uh, paid a lot more attention to it. Well, you got to stop and smell the roses, as they say. <laughs> well, that's right. What does everybody do when they get to a rose bush? One of the first things oh, they do is they stick their nose in it. Yeah, always. You stick your snaws in there, and you, <laughs> you don't have a smell, and away you go. Anyways, um, what's going on with the Rose so Society? We had to cancel the the rose show last year. So this year we're we're doing uh, our 48th annual rose show. It's on Saturday, uh, July 24th. So this next Saturday, at okay. the Calgary Scandinavian Center. Okay. Which is at 739 20th Avenue Northwest. Okay. And uh, uh, public viewing is from 1:30 to 5 p.m. But if anybody who's listening says, hey, I've got some nice roses. I could probably go win a ribbon. They're welcome to cut their roses and bring them along, and we'll have people there who can help them, get them ready, show them how to set them up, and enter them in the show. We have uh, categories for novice showers, people people that haven't won ribbons in our show before, and entries uh, have to be in between 8 and 10.30 in the morning. So... So, Brian, so say I'm, I'm looking outside and I see you got some gorgeous roses going on. What's the best way to cut them, to preserve them, to, to and, tr and move them down to, if you, if you want to bring them down to cut show you guys? Cut them in the morning early when it's, uh, or the night before when it's cool. And, and what are you uh, using to cut them? A sharp knife? You, you don't use scissors. I, what, I just what, use what? my garden secateurs. Yeah. And, and cut them. But when I take them inside, I, I wash them under the tap because if they've got bugs on them, we disqualify them. And okay. so they have to be clean. We, we take them in, uh, or I take them in, I, I rinse them under the tap. I recut, the, recut them underwater. And my advice okay. to people who are cutting them for the first time is to cut them a little longer than you th normally would so that you've got room to play with that. <clears throat> but yeah. re recut okay. them underwater. You might end up recutting them again once you're at the show. And then stick them okay. in a vase with water, bring them over, and uh, we'll help you uh, show you Is how to... Is there a certain length that they need to be to qualify or anything? No, uh, you, you need to have a couple of leaves on them. But okay. if you were something that you were cutting for the vase is is normally uh, the right size. But as I say, cut them a, a bit longer. Okay, awesome. You do need to know the names of them. So if you okay. show up with a pink rose, we don't have a an unnamed pink rose category. We have to we need to know 
which pink rose that is because <laughs> you're it's Merle's pink rose. Man. Come yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> well, when you're judging, you have to. It, yeah. it has to represent a good example of that rose. And yeah. if we don't know which rose it is, we haven't got a mental no. image to compare it against. Absolutely. All right. So, Brian, I got to run, but again, um, that's next Saturday, July 24th at the Scandinavian Center. Um, starts at what time? Well, if you're bringing entries, it's between 8 and 10.30 in the morning. But if you're coming to view and there'll be ex um, public exhibits, educational things and so on as well, that's from uh, viewing is from 1.30 to 5 p.m. Okay, and, and that's next Saturday at the Scandinavian Center um, in Northwest Calgary. On, yeah, on 20th Avenue, 739 20th Avenue Northwest. Something I forgot to mention, masks will be required in the show. How are you going to smell the roses? No, I'm just kidding. Well, <laughs> I, I kidding. hadn't thought um, about that, yes, but, <laughs> okay. but we're just trying to we be safe. figure that one out. I hear you, absolutely. All right, thanks, Brian. Okay, take care. Take care. Bye-bye. All right, now i got to take a quick break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm going to go to the phone line. i got to do one quick call. We're going to go to Denise. Good morning, Denise. Oh, good morning, Merle. How are you? Good, good. How can I help you? Um, thanks. We've been exchanging messages on the, the pine berries, so I appreciate uh, your advice for that. Yes. Uh, I'll, I'll stick with that fertilizer. The second question is on hands uh, roses. Um, had aphids on them last year, uh, and I've yep. had them for about nine years in my yard. Uh, this year, went in to spruce it up, picked up the, the green, um, I think it's spray green, green? About, spray green. Okay, yes, sorry. Thank you. Um, and tried to be proactive. Didn't realize until after the fact, I had thought that it was contact, so I maybe went a little bit overboard with how much I sprayed, but I sprayed for um, once and then waited five days, sprayed again. Yeah. And about two weeks after that, so no signs of aphids, but now the problem I'm noticing over the last month is the leaves are changing color. They go from vibrant green to... Yeah, uh, look, they look uh, chloro yeah, chlorotic. Hansa roses do that. Yellow. They, yeah, and unfortunately, Hansas will do that. So you just you've got to add um, uh, more of that chelated iron to them. Um, that will help get them green again. And they are the Hansa rose, especially, is fairly heavy feeding. So like, a, and again, using the fifteen thirty fifteen, but the chelated iron will definitely help with those where you get that yellow veins on those. Uh, if and some of them are really bad, I would just cut some of those off, um, and and just even up, and with your growth, you just have lots of time to get some more growth on those. So I have been pulling pulling them off, and it's quite a bit. Yeah, um, yeah, it's 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 annoying with those because there's certain some of those old um, shrub roses that do that. But actually, I'm just going to put you on hold real quick because I do got to take a break for the for the news, and then we can come back and we'll finish up. All right, thanks. All right, you're you're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Smoky conditions and 13 degrees in downtown Calgary. Good morning from Global News. It's 10 o'clock. I'm Madeline DeBellis. Federal NDP leader Jagmeet Singh launched a tour of Alberta with a stop in Calgary yesterday. At a pancake brunch in East Village, Singh told reporters he wants to help get Alberta's economy back on track and get people back to work. 
We know there's a lot of things that can happen in the in the recovery. There's going to be a lot of money spent on infrastructure. Those infrastructure jobs are jobs that a lot of the resource sector workers have skills in. We talk about retrofitting buildings, remediating oil wells, converting oil wells into geothermal energy. There's lots of opportunities. We've got to get people to work now and people need to see results. They can't rely on just the words or kind of vague promises. We need to see action and I'm going to fight for that action. Currently, the federal NDP holds just one seat in Alberta in the riding of Edmonton, Strathcona. But Singh says he thinks the tide is turning in his party's favour and he's ready for the next federal election when it's called to work. The Catholic Diocese of Calgary has announced that measures are being taken to financially support survivors of residential schools. Carolyn Curry de Castillo reports. In a statement released on Friday, the diocese says it's committed to providing a monetary contribution to a local appeal that expresses the commitment of the diocese to the ongoing work of justice and healing with Indigenous peoples. Resolution Health Support worker Marilyn Northpig and would like to see the money go towards programs to help survivors heal. She says it's important to recognize that there is a broken relationship between the church and residential school survivors. She says money isn't going to help everything, but it is a start to building a new relationship. MR Indigenous leader Linda Menigun says she's grateful for the announcement, but she's disappointed it comes after the discovery of remains at residential schools. She hopes that all churches involved will turn over historical records and help fund the recoveries of all remains at unmarked graves at residential schools. When the Indian Residential School Settlement Agreement was signed in 2006, the Roman Catholic Church agreed to provide $25 million in compensation for historical wrongs. Most of that money has not been raised. The Calgary Diocese says the amount of the monetary contribution and details of the financial appeal will be announced in September. Carolyn Curry de Castillo, Global News. Utilities and regional official, uh, officials are warning of possible power failures and natural gas service interruptions due to forest fires in some parts of BC. So far, a 500 hectare fire in the central Okanagan hasn't damaged electrical lines, but officials warn that could change at any moment. Emergency officials say people should have an emergency plan and prepare a kit with flashlights and ready-to-eat non-perishable foods. BC Hydro is spraying fire retardant on poles most vulnerable to a wildfire. It's National Drowning Prevention Week and the CEO of the Life-Saving Society shares some insight on this important initiative. Kelly Carter says this year has seen many more drownings compared to other years partly due to the lack of swimming lessons because of COVID-19 and pools being closed. The numbers are a lot higher this year than we've seen in in previous years. And uh, we're really concerned of the trajectory of where where we're going this summer as we start to get into the warmer months and more people are getting outside and enjoying more of these natural areas. Carter says it's crucial to practice water safety, such as brushing up on swimming skills, using the buddy system and staying out of strong currents and more dangerous natural areas. Two South African soccer players have become the first athletes inside Tokyo's Olympic Village to test positive for COVID-19. The squad has been quarantined and is waiting for the results of further tests. The International Olympic Committee says a total of 55 people connected to the Olympics have tested positive so far this month. James Longman reports there are concerns about team competitions. Let's say one team member goes down. Well, how does that team then find a replacement for that particular position? And what happens to the team they had played in whatever sport we're talking about? There are all kinds of unknowns at this point, which could derail the games. The IOC is putting a brave face on it. 
The Tokyo Games are set to open on Friday. A special air quality statement is in effect for Calgary due to the smoky conditions. A high of 23 today, partly cloudy tonight with a low of 16, tomorrow mainly sunny and 25. And right now, it's 13 degrees at 10.05. Breaking news when it happens, our next scheduled update at 10.30. I'm Madeline DeBellis. Welcome back to Let's Start Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs. Going to go back to Denise and we're going to finish up uh, chatting about the Hansa Rose. Hi there. Hi, Denise. Hi. 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 Yeah. Uh, Again, just to finish iron. up. Sorry? I was going to say, you were talking about using an iron. Uh, yeah, chelated iron. Um, okay. That will help with the chlorotic. Also, loosening up the soil a bit. And and possibly, is it a little bit wet in that area? It's right up against the garage facing south. So it okay, so, so probably not. Yeah, no, that should be good. Um, so that could be just more lack of, of nutrients in the soil because those areas seem to use up a lot of the soil or a lot of the nutrients. So um, you could add some peat moss or something to that soil as well and uh, and then just add some chelated iron. It's a water-soluble, and you can water it into that area. Okay, and right now I use 10-10-10. Is that the best fertilizer or...? Um, it's it's okay. I, I I do prefer for those. I like to use like a fifteen thirty fifteen. It okay. just has more trace elements for it, especially for the for the Hansas and things like that. They're pretty heavy feeders because they're really thick, lots of foliage, and when they do push out their buds, like there's a ton of blooms on there, so they do mm-hmm. use a lot of nourishment. So um, I would I would go to a fifteen thirty fifteen. Okay, great. Well, thanks. It sounds like it's. Uh, manageable and treatable so <laughs> absolutely yeah no you just gotta it's just it's just using everything up in that area and especially up against the house a lot of times there's not a lot of nutrients sometimes left in those areas and and the soil just gets depleted so add a bit of peat moss in there to loosen up the soil around it and uh, and then try the iron chelates as well great thank you very much really appreciate it you're welcome all right take care bye-bye all right, and I'm going to go to the phone line, and I'm going to go to Gary. Good morning, Gary. Good morning. Hey, how can I help you? Uh, well, I've got a lawn issue here. I've got uh, a couple of different weeds in my lawn, and I, I do use your fertilizer, and for the most part, it really does a wonderful job, but these two are pretty invasive. I've got uh, bluebells, which is kind of prolific in this yeah. area, and then I've got creeping charlie on about uh, probably a third or a quarter of uh, the yard. It's, it's really gotten thick. This is a very thick mat. And I've done a bunch of things trying to dig it out by hand and pull it out. But it's- yeah, sometimes you cause more when you try and dig it out because you break the root up and yeah. then it almost creates more. And so what I would use in those areas in your lawn is I'd use Killex. Okay. It's a, it's a selective herbicide, so it's a broadleaf herbicide. And it won't kill your grass. And uh, on mornings like this, it's actually great to use it in your lawn. Just don't go heavy. You might need to do two or three applications, but don't try and add more to it. Like mix it what it says to okay. do it in the in the thing. Um, more is not better with a lot of that stuff because <laughs> yeah, then you end up. I don't, a lot of guys, hey, I'll put more on there. It's better. But let, let's not do that. 
Um, just follow the directions is your best. But you just reapply maybe, and especially on the bellflower, like three or every three or four days. Okay. And just spot spray it. Like even get a pipe or something, go over top of them, and just spray down into the pipe. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And uh, and try that. Um, the bellflower, you have to be pretty consistent. Like I that one every three days. That one you can dig out a little bit easier than yeah. the than the creeping one because it, it'll you break it up and it causes more. The bellflower can be dug out. And there we have some of those lawn ones you can dig down. You sort of poke over top of it and it pulls out of the lawn. Um, you can try that, but it, those things are nasty. They're very invasive. So okay, so it's not really a case here with, with especially with the, the creeping Charlie. I guess what I was thinking is, this, is this something I got to relaunch. It's a it's a very old yard. Um, no, okay, so just, no, just work. You'll be fine. No, especially if you're starting to use our fertilizer, you'll see it. Like my lawn, I took over this house. I think I moved here two and a half years ago, whatever it was. The lawn was horrible, <laughs> and I was just I was thinking about that lot yesterday. I was out in the backyard. I go. Man, it looks good now. Because like, once you get the root system healthy, it starts softening up the roots, the soil, and and create a good, healthy ecosystem. I just power rake. I, I usually never um, aerate. It doesn't hurt. But And if it's really hard, though, you can do a top dressing. Yeah, I've done a bit of that, and I've, I've overseeded a few times here just to see if yeah, I can the ground. Yeah, you'll be amazed. Like, and when you get a healthy lawn, it just eats that top dressing up so fast. Like, oh. it's amazing. So, All right. Okay, well, great. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. All right. You're welcome. Thanks, Gary. Okay, appreciate the call. Bye-bye. All right. And I'm going to go to Steve. Good morning, Steve. Hi. How's it going today? Good, good. How can I help good. you? We're with the roses situation she wants to do uh climbing roses on the front uh valise we have on the front yard we're wondering yep. if there's a product we can get to accelerate the growth of these climbing roses the only thing if you try to grow things too quick um it, they end up becoming really weak so uh -huh. I, yeah. I just a good steady fertilizer um, put it, if they're in a nice hot location the mm. first year you'll see a bit of growth second year is really where you see the growth take off and mm -hmm. a fertilizer like 15, 30, 15 is great. Or even a 20, 20, 20 would work if you want to see a bit more growth on it. That's, um, I have that downstairs, if, yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. if you're, so if you're using it um, every five days, something like that, um, but just, just follow the direct same thing. Don't mix it extra strong or anything because you end up burning. Wow. Just, just make sure you water everything thoroughly before you fertilize fertilize it sort of every five days and you, you should see some good growth but it the roots take a bit of time to root in and mm -hmm. then where you're really going to see the growth second year but the third year's sort of it should just boom explode on you so okay and could you it does uh, take a bit the, of time oh yes it always does um uh, could you uh near the end of your show or whatever announce that rose show where it's at uh, yeah, it's at the Scandinavian Calgary? Center. I will for Scandinavian. sure. It's at the Scandinavian Center up uh, on uh, 20th Ave, I think he said, in the northwest. Yeah, we live out in the prairies. So, okay, thank you. All right, take care, Bye -bye. man. Bye. Thank you. Bye. All right, and I'm going to go to Phil. Good morning, Phil. Morning, Merle. How are you? Good, Ed. How you doing? How can I help you? I would like to know, I planted a Brandon elm tree this couple of months ago can you overwater that um you can yeah they they don't like being real wet they'll go yellow on and i got a brand in elm that's in a bit of a wetter area and i've really tried to i've 
like turn the water off in that area because I'm not getting oh. the good good growth. Like they like oh, a well drained soil. So my it's growing very well. It's very healthy looking and everything. But I've been maybe overwatering, eh? Okay, I'll quit doing but that. But if you're if you're getting good growth and if it's nice and dark green, yeah. um, I, I pro- then I wouldn't change anything. Mine has a bit of a pale look to it, and oh, it's just because it, nice it's that healthy looking. Yeah, then it's great. Like I see good healthy elm, you'll get that nice dark green, and and okay. they can grow. They're quite a quick growing tree, so you can get two to three feet of growth a year on those when they get healthy. Yeah. So well, I think it's grown about six inches since we planted it, like in height. So yeah, and another so question. perfect. Yep. No, I said that's okay, perfect. So don't worry, just keep watering it the way I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Next, next question: eggshells. I crunch them all up and sprinkle them around on top of all our flower beds and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Do anything. <laughs> what you're doing is adding organic matter and different things some people say it adds calcium and some other stuff it absolutely it it it, any of that kind of stuff you put in i just remember that's really all my mom ever did like when when we did in our veggie garden like all our scraps all the potato peels all the carrot peels all the tops like anything left over eggshells everything went into the garden okay well i buried the the green stuff like the lettuce leaves i bury it but with the eggshells i'm just sprinkling them on top and letting them lay there yep so i don't know you should do that with some of your other compost either even your leaves and stuff leave them on top a bit yeah i let them decompose and then mix them in and uh it it definitely any of that stuff it, it doesn't hurt so okay um absolutely so can't hurt anything totally fine. by doing that nope Absolutely. Okay, not. thank you very much, and I enjoy your show. I listen to you every Sunday. <laughs> thanks, Phil. I appreciate it. Thank yeah. you so much. Bye-bye. All right, take care. Thanks. Bye bye. Thanks, Bye-bye. Phil. Bye bye. All right. If you'd like to join me, phone lines are wide open 403 974 8255. And I'm going to take a quick break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs, and I'm going to go to the phone lines, and we're going to go to Barb. Good morning, Barb. Good morning. Hi. Um, How can I help you? I want to do an experiment, and I don't know if you're going to agree or tell me to get off my desk. I love, I love, I love experiments. Okay. Last spring, I put down just some red cedar mulch in my area there in the backyard. All right. I didn't put down uh, garden fabric or anything. Well, I've got grass coming through. So now I want to get lazy. I want to put grass seed all over it and put soil on top and pray a lot. Will it work? (laughs) If you put enough soil on top or if you do want to keep it bark mulch, I, I, I never use fabric underneath shredded mulch. Yeah. If I do bark chips... I, I will definitely use fabric or underneath rock. But if I'm doing um, like shredded bark mulch, I we never use fabric because I like it. I like to let it weave itself together, and then it clings to the soil, 
and it'll create a really good weed barrier. If yeah. you do get the odd grass coming up, I just spray that with Roundup and then just kill it and then put a little bit more mulch down. Oh, but, but I don't you, want to. I want to put grass seed on and hope yeah. that the grass is going to grow. I don't want to kill it. Okay. Um. <laughs> then just put, yeah, put some extra loam. Like, just put, if you put an inch or two of loam down on top. Okay. Um, definitely, you can, I'd go at least, yeah, maybe even a bit more. Oh, okay. If you have the right drainage, put two or three inches. Put the, but is there grass growing already, sort of? You're just well, trying to. Yeah, because I didn't put any uh, garden fabric down when I put the mulch down last year. So, Whatever grass was there, it was coming up. And I was thinking, eh, I don't want to mow it. Well, now I do. Okay. So now I want yep. so to just add it. some loam. Yeah, so just add some loam, um, overseed it, and, uh, and away it'll go. Should I put the loam down first and then seed it? Yes. Or, or after? Yeah, after. So I put the loam down and then put your seed in and then rake the seed into the loam and then just try and keep it as moist as you can, water it a couple, two or three times a day. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Okay. I will give right. that a try. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you. You should be good. Yeah. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. And I'm going to go – actually, I still have time. I'm going to go to Sheila. Good morning, Sheila. Hello. Hi there. How can I help you? Hi, Merle. Um, I I usually grow a lot of sweet peas because we live in Riverbend, and they're one of the few flowers that deer don't touch. And okay. Not sweet peas. Sorry. Yeah, sweet peas too, but uh, actually... Uh, Snaps. Uh, snapdragons, yes, thank you. I was going to say I was going to recommend <laughs> I go if if sweet if you have if you have deer, um, snapdragons are another good one. Yeah, no, I grow a lot of snapdragons, and they did beautiful this year. I used the um, the sea soil fertilizer. You know the yeah yeah. I used that this year, um, or no compost. It was right a compost that I bought yeah. out. And yeah, the whole garden looks good, but they they bloomed. They were beautiful, and I have a huge front corner yard, so it was a lot of snapdragons in there. And all of a sudden, the other day, I noticed there's no more blooms. And I, I guess everything's just bloomed out, you know, because they've got those those pods left, like big round yep. green pods. Yep. So I did. You a can bit of deadhead research. them. You can cut them back, and they will bloom again. You can cut them back, and then they should rebloom. And they should rebloom, yeah, because I, I don't yep. remember them just, you know, they're, they're sort of all This heat things. has done that, too. Like, snapdragons are, they, they can take lots of heat, but they are a little bit more of, they do like it a little bit cooler. So uh, this heat, that will do that. Um, oh. And so, and especially at Riverbend, such a good area for growing. It's too bad you can, it, like, try using Bobex or a couple other products for um, I did get some Bobex, and I must admit we are probably using it on a nightly basis, just a quick spray on um, uh, the sweet peas. Uh, what else do they? Oh, the lavatura. <laughs> and yeah. So far, everything's okay. Oh, and anything like pansies or violets, they go after. But we just spray around the pots a little bit and the ones that are yeah. in the ground. And so far, so good. But we. It, it does work good. It smells a little bit at first, but once you kind of uh, get used to it and and appreciate why you're doing it, then it uh, 
you put up with a little bit of smell, but yeah, and, and, and it, it goes away. Doesn't last long. But do you do you have to do it every day? Because it no, says- it should. It has a residual for about thirty days. Um, but unless you get rain or if you're watering your yeah. leaves, so and we have if to you're water using it on your pots, just yeah, just make sure you water from underneath. Then that uh-huh. way you're not washing off. Right. And the other the other question, I bought some Rage Plus, and the fellow that helped me at the counter said to mix it, whatever he told me, but then the directions on the bottle said something else, and then what you read online, it, it, it's a different um, ratio. Well, each one of, of those bottles makes 333 liters, so I don't know the exact measurement. Um, I would just follow the directions on the bottle then. I've I've been doing like a shot glass, which I believe is that 30 mils. Yeah. Yeah. And then 10 gallons of water. Yeah. That's perfect. Or 10 liters of water, not gallons. Whatever liters. liters. Yeah. So half a five gallon pail sort of thing. And you can't really, even with the Rage Plus, I've actually poured it straight on and then just water afterwards. You just get it into the soil. Rage is probably one of the safest things ever. Um, So, if you're, if you're doing a shot glass per watering clan, something like that, you'll be fine. Okay. Okay. And what else was my other question? So we did initially use miracle Grow because that's what I had in stock before I came yeah. out. Um, is that not good for the plants? Not as good as the Rage Plus? Definitely not as good. Um, the the miracle Grow is a little bit of a cheaper fertilizer and it, it's fairly salt based so that's even like with ours like uh, with the greeted up brand um with our water solubles it's not the salt based and it fully dissolves okay. um well that's the only problem with some of the miracle Grow there it's just a it's a cheaper type fertilizer and i find that it's uh, quite salt based so Right. Okay. I think you've answered my question, and um, hopefully my snapdragons will come back because I did try to. They will just trim them back, and they'll they'll push right back. So do that right away. Be careful because there are some new little shoots because a lot of them grew into because I have different heights of snapdragons uh, with taller ones in the back, and those are easy to distinguish. But the little bushy ones that have a bunch of little bushes branches. Coming out, there. I think there is some new growth there, so I didn't cut those off. But yeah. all righty, thank you. All right, Thanks. Sheila, I gotta go. Thanks. Thanks for the call. Bye bye. All right, you're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. A very smoky and 13 degrees in downtown Calgary. Good morning from Global News. It's 10:30. I'm Madeline DeBellis. The Catholic Diocese of Calgary has announced financial measures are being taken to financially support residential school survivors. This will be part of the ongoing work for justice and healing for Indigenous peoples. The diocese says the amount of monetary contribution and details of the financial appeal will be announced in September. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh is making rounds in Alberta this weekend ahead of a possible federal election being called. At a stop in Calgary Saturday, Singh said he wants to help get Alberta's economy back on track and people back to work. He also spoke on health care and the climate crisis. A special air quality statement is in effect for Calgary due to smoky conditions. It is 13 degrees. Breaking news when it happens. Our next scheduled news at 11. I'm Madeline DeBellis.
And Lessa Gardening is brought to you by Spruce It Up, your year-round full-service garden center. Spruce it up, green it up, prune it up. We got you covered. And uh, we had a little staff, our uh, team event the other night after our our uh, 15-year anniversary party. And it was, it was actually really quite fun. We had everybody out on a patio. And uh, the whole crew did the spruce it up, green it up, prune it up. We got you covered. It was, uh, it was actually really kind of cool. So it was a lot of fun. And again, thanks to everybody who showed up. Thanks a lot to our team, obviously, through the years. Um, we couldn't have done it without you guys. And, uh, and uh, we'll all be there, hopefully, for 15 more at least. Let's go to the phone line, and we're going to go to Kim. Good morning, Kim. Hi, Merle. I'm glad to hear you like about you like to hear about experiments because I'm calling to get your opinion on whether this is coincidence or cure. It has to do with okay. birch leaf minor. Okay. So I know the concept is supposedly to leave you know the leaves over the winter to you know harbor the good bugs and get the yep. nutrients and stuff into the lawn and whatnot. But last year, every time there was a leaf drop from that tree, I took up all the leaves. And this year, the birch leaf miner is much less than it has been in years. A- absolutely. Yeah, what you did definitely makes a difference. And those are the kind of things where I like to, uh, you, you go against your rule of thumb, where you put a little bit of common sense in what you did. And uh, that, I, I would 100% agree. When we get fire blights, um, if we get the scale on like Catoni asters, I, um, birch leaf miner, I totally recommend doing a really good cleanup. Um, get rid of those bugs, get rid of the leaves. Absolutely, 100%. And is that the same too for like if there was mulch under that tree to remove the mulch as well? Um, I would just try to, most of those bugs get stuck in those leaves. Um, I don't know if I'd remove the mulch per se. I would maybe give it a soil drench, like even with pure spray green or something. Um, you could do that or spray it with ambush or something like that. Just give the just give the bark mulch around it a soil drench. But I think by picking up the leaves pretty re- like diligently all the time, I-, I think he probably made a world of difference. So yeah, just a heads up to people in Calgary that the city reduces the green bin collection before leaf drop is done. So you'll if you if you intend to do that to to combat some of these bug issues, then just be aware that you'll have to keep your leaves around for two weeks possibly. Yeah, and. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes they, and those are kind of things that we need to chat with our MLAs, talk with our council people, and just the sometimes the timing isn't always right. Yeah, but I know. So this, yeah, they, I was just gonna say, but I know this year, like the tree. I, I mean, I couldn't believe the difference in the tree. It was incredible, and yeah. I just didn't know nope. whether it was, like I said, coincidence or. No, I, I definitely not. Okay, thanks for the info. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely not. Um, what you did um, definitely makes 100% sense, so good job. Okay, take care. Thanks. All right, take care. Bye-bye. All right, and I'm going to go to – I got time. I'm going to go to Tom. Good morning, Tom. Yes, good morning. Uh, we planted hey. some tomatoes in just pots, and I noticed some of the bigger tomatoes that are coming up, they haven't turned uh, yet. But I noticed some of the bottoms are not a nice-looking tomato. Is that common? Is it on the bottom of the tomato? Yes, it is. It's kind of like a... Yeah, so, real... yeah, so what it is, it's called blossom end rot. And it's 
You get that when you're growing more of the bigger tomatoes, like the beef steaks, the romas, some of those ones. You typically won't see it on like uh, like the little cherry tomatoes and things like that. So right. you should try to use a fertilizer with a calcium supplement in it. Okay. And most of the good tomato foods have that. Okay. When you read it on the label, it'll say calcium supplement. If not, we do have calcium supplement you can buy for your plants. And uh, and you can water it in with that, so that will uh, help you with that uh, blossom end rot. I noticed some. And of just try to and try like don't overwater too. That's part of the. Okay, I noticed some of the small cherry ones had some rings at the top too. Would that be from overwatering a bit, or no? That's from heat split. Okay, just from the yeah, thing. just yes, yeah. Yeah, from the real extreme heat, you'll get a the, the split right on the top. It sort of looks like just like just off from the stem, about like a quarter inch or something like that. They just split open. Okay. Yeah, I noticed yeah. some ring, uh, you know, a circular ring around some of them as well. Yeah, and that's mainly that's just from the that's just from the heat, like sort of this stretches them out, and okay. so. All right. Thank you very much. Unfortunately, yeah, so just try that. Um, pull off the ones that have already been affected. You obviously can't change that. And, uh, and if, you, if they're looking nice and healthy still, um, get some of that calcium into them, and that should help with the rest of them. Great. Thanks again. All right. You're welcome. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. And I'm going to go to Shaman. Good morning, Shaman. Hey, man. Thanks for taking my call. Of course. How can I help you? Um, I'm a complete newbie, and um, a couple months ago, I decided to plant some sunflower seeds. And uh, the sunflowers are now about probably five feet tall. They're up to my shoulder, and you can kind of see the beginnings of the, uh, yep. the flowers, yep. about the size of a fist. Um, I've noticed that when the sunflower buds, or whatever they're called, um, get to a certain size, they disappear. And I'm wondering if, if it's maybe deers, because we get deers in our yard. I live in uh, West Hills, Patterson area. Um, yeah, yeah, the they love that. Yep, yeah. big, big, nice new, big the deer. <laughs> um, yeah, like it's like they're watching, and as soon as the the bud gets to be yeah. a certain size, it disappears. And I imagine they're eating. oh yeah, that's a nice big juicy morsel for them, right? Um, we can use a product like I mentioned earlier. Um, we've talked about here. It's called Bobex. It's a herb okay. based product, and it just tastes like total crab so and uh so um spray that around um you can spray your plants you can spray it right on your flowers and that and okay like it's a herb-based product and so and once they um, yeah once they sorry, smell it yeah typically when they smell it they usually don't even have to taste it it'll 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 get them away from your plants okay and then do you have to reapply it Maybe after yes, after heavy rain rains and things like that, absolutely. Other than that, it should last about once a month. But if you if you want to go out and give it a, a spray every couple of weeks just to be safe, it doesn't hurt. And sure. uh, and that's a great plant to start as a gardener. Unfortunately, the deer are working against you because yeah. the, things like that give you a gardening bug, right? Because you see the big growth on it, and, yeah. and so it's well, awesome. My kids so. like them. Um, okay, and do you have time for one more quick question? Absolutely. Um, related to that, um, the other day I saw a coyote, and he kind of, like, he took a dive, and it looked like he ate something. So I followed, I, I ran out with my phone to try and get a picture, um, and he was gone. But I saw a mound of dirt, 
sort of where the coyote had eaten whatever it was he was eating. Um, yep. And it, I understand from some of the neighbors that uh, he was eating a vole. And now yes. there's voles with these mounds of dirt in my garden. Um, I assume that that's somehow bad. And um, is there something I can do, perhaps even the well, same if, product? Well, if they're just in your garden, it's not too, too bad. Um you can just keep knocking them down like those where they where those holes are, and they'll tend to move away. You can put the hose down into there, make it a little bit more uncomfortable. You can yeah. try to trap them. Um, it, they can get in if you're growing veggies and stuff. They'll get in there and, and eat them. Um, but yeah. for the most part, some of those little critters help aerate the soil. They do their thing. Um, so I, I, sometimes maybe. I don't worry too much. But when they get into your lawn um, – it only takes one or two times when you're mowing over top of them, and then they, they learn to stay away from that. And, yeah, okay. uh, so you might just want to add a bit of water. Turn over that area, too, where the lumps are. Maybe just get a like a big fork and, and turn it over and make it lumpy. Okay. So they'll learn to – because you probably have a green space in behind your area or something. Um, I do, yeah. Just, yeah, and they'll tend to, to move off into there if you make it a little more uncomfortable for them. Okay. Um, and do you have time for one more very quick question? I'm going to just put you on hold, and then definitely after that, I can, but I do have sure. to take a break for a commercial. All right. I'm just going to take a quick break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs, and we're going to go back to Shame, and he had one more He's a new gardener, so we're going to cut him some slack and let him answer a few questions. So uh, welcome back, Shaman. Thank you. I hope you're not rolling your eyes. Um, <laughs> Absolutely I have, uh, not. I love when people get into this, and I and I totally – I meant that sincerely. So um, <laughs> Thank you. And otherwise, I would say, you're breaking up. You're breaking up. Goodbye. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, so I um, something possessed me to use a Father's Day present, and I sprayed Miracle Grow through one of those hose applicators onto my sunflowers uh, about a week ago. Um, there's yep. probably fifty yep. or sixty of them, and most of them are okay. But I've noticed that some, maybe three or four or five of the sunflowers, have all wilted, and it looks like the stem is okay, but the um, the leaves are kind of droopy. Um, do you think I overdid it, or is it just too much water, or is there something I can do to stop that from Getting worse? Um, if they wilted like that, you could have burnt them. Like if it was done in the really heat of the day and if there's fertilizer in there, it depends how strong it was coming out. You could yeah. definitely have burnt the leaves with a with the with the with you burn it on the foliage. Um, that's the one thing you do gotta be careful in Calgary. Our heat and our sun is very strong. And when you put yeah. water on a leaf um, in the in the heat of the day, sometimes it can work like a magnifying glass, especially on a big soft sunflower leaf. It can just um, burn them. So it sounds and like now, that could be it. Okay, and do um, could it, it would it likely be overwatering? I, I wonder if I'm watering them too much. I, sunflowers. I, I I would not think so. Sunflowers would be pretty hard to overwater unless it's like muck because. They grow really quite quickly, and especially in the heat that we've had, um, yeah. I, I would say overwatering wouldn't be an issue. They'll turn more yellow and wilt, like the whole thing will droop over and and turn yellow first, and then okay. that will that'll give you the look of overwatering. But I think you should be fine. 
Awesome. Thank you, sir. All right. Take care, and uh, welcome to the Garden Crew. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. I'm going to go to Steve. Good morning, Steve. How are you doing? Good, good. How can I help you? Hey, good. I appreciate you taking my call. I'm glad I tuned in a little bit. Um, I, I'm a novice, too, but here's the question. We have this, uh, I think it's a Catoni Aster. Yep. And uh, a couple years ago, I discovered, well, the thing was half dead. And yep. I started reading up on oyster shell scale. And I live in yes. Fairview. I live in Fairview. Um, so I'd almost Calgary. guarantee that's what you got. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, especially in the older areas, you're going to see a lot of it. It's just so many of the hedges have been let go. And uh, so what do you, what are you wanting to do? Okay. Revive so it the, or here's the story is like two years ago, I got some horticultural oil and yep. put it in a, like a, one of those metered sprayers and I hit it yep. with that in the fall around you know Mm -hmm. after all the leaves were done and gone and then i hit it in around april and and i watered it uh way more than i did before the problem and uh and it came back just beautiful like you couldn't even tell and meanwhile my neighbors are cutting them out and digging them out and getting rid of them everywhere around here but i've managed to keep it alive and uh but did a bunch of the old wood come back to life, or did is there is there still lots of dead wood in there, but the rest is nice and healthy? It, I'm telling you, it's like you can't even tell it was infected. It's amazing. Well, that's that's and you and you did exactly what you're supposed to do. A lot of times, a lot of them they get left to a point where there's too much dead. So we we recommend it's called rejuvenation. Is cut them right down to the ground, sort of that down to like three to four inches. And this let them grow um, fresh from the from the base. But using that the, the dormant oil like you did early early spring, the the only time I'm worried about le- recommending is sometimes people leave that dormant oil on and they apply it too late in the year, and it can cause more damage. Like if you if you spray it on when they're in full leaf in in June or May, you can cause a lot more damage than you can yeah. if you don't rinse it off and things. But you applied uh, it perfectly. Um, so here, that will soak in and get rid of the the scale. So good job. Well, here's the question I'm getting to now is uh, I didn't spray it this spring, and uh, I do see it coming back. And so I don't feel like I have a permanent solution. And so I thought I'd ask you, like, uh, am I just going to continue with this treatment? And, yeah, you uh, have to, or or try to do because you have an excessive amount of scale nests and everything all over the bark there. So, and that's sort of why when a combination of the rejuvenation, I would just take it right down to the ground, and and then you'll be amazed at how fast it'll grow. Like you'll have a two foot hedge before you know it. Like it'll just and three feet. Like it, it'll because all that energy is going to go to new growth. And you're not going to be, it's not trying to regrow a bunch of old deadwood. Yeah. And this thing's six feet tall. I'd like to yeah. keep it. 
I'd like to keep it, but I was just hoping there was like a permanent one-time solution. But I guess I'm just no. going to have to. No, because with all the neighbors and, and everybody, yeah, and plus all the neighbors and everybody else has it, so it's uh, it's a fairly contagious because it's a bug, right? So they when they yeah. fly around from the other spots, they'll come back to yours. Okay, well, I'm just happy I can keep it alive, and it's nope. not. That's it's good. Not a bunch of work, you know. Twice a year, five minutes with a with a sprayer, yeah. not a big deal. So perfect. Okay. Well, thank you. Awesome. Thanks, it. Steve. Bye. Yeah, take care. And I got to take a quick break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Uh, welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. Got a quick little text here. It says, good morning, garden man. I like that. Why are my cherry tomatoes so small? They're in a sunny location. Why are the strawberries small? Um, is Why is this going on? I would say probably a little bit more slower, deeper watering. I noticed that as well. Um, we have a raised bed where we have strawberries and things growing in there. And um, when the soil gets too warm, um, they don't fulfill. So slower, deeper watering and fertilize with 15, 30, 15 is what I would do. So, but right now I'm going to go to the phone line. I'm going to go to Kim. Good morning, Kim. Good morning. How are you doing this? this I'm doing morning? great. How are you? Good, good, good. I have a couple questions. I'm, you know, I'm always moving my perennials around at, at certain times of year. And I've decided, oh, I'm looking at my feather reed grass. Oh, there's another leaf in there, and it's not feather reed. That looks like black grass. So I dug the whole blooming thing up, and sure enough, I've got, you know, the, um, I call it the crocodile bean that has the black every two or three inches. That's the quack grass root. So I yeah. just took it all apart. So can I put that bunch of greenery and roots into my compost or do I have to burn it? Well, you gotta be with some of the, the quack grass roots will stay viable for a long time. <laughs> um, they say 25 years, I hear. <laughs> yes. Yes. So on that stuff, I, I would probably just dispose of that. You're not going to gain a whole lot from them in your compost bin anyways. So I, I would just get rid of those. Okay. Okay. Um, that was question one. What was the second question? I was oh, uh, flocks. My girlfriend had given me some white flocks, and I thought, what that's like painting a canvas, right? So I can intermittently yeah. disperse the white flocks. Does that tra travel by self-seeding itself, or is it traveling by rhizome, by the roots? Um, probably more self-seeding itself. Okay. Um, on those, but if you are want to, you can split them, yeah. um, like early spring. Um, if you do want to split them at that time. Yes. Okay. Um, can Alrighty. I ask one more question? Um, um I, okay, go ahead. Just quick. I'm I got two more callers. I'm trying to get through. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And I'm, I've dug up the grass and all of a sudden I see this little crawly thing and I'm going, is that a grub? So I've got different colors. I've got one that's kind of greenish and one that's kind of off-whitish. And I'm thinking off-whitish is a grub. I don't know what the greenish is. Yeah, they're probably both a, just a type of grubs or or it could be like a, a type of a, of a, is a, a maggot of some sort in there. You can just use that grub out, the spray, if you want to do that to treat them, and then that okay. would work fine. 
or to them up with my hands and put them in a bucket Absolutely. of water. Okay. There okay. you go. Good. Thank you. Thank buddy. you. Thanks, Kim. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. I'm going to go to Stan. Good morning, Stan. Good morning, Merle. Thanks for taking my call. Of course. How can I help you? Actually, some advice for more than a question. So um, the age-old question is, how do I get rid of my popper tree and then not have suckers all over my yard and the neighbors? And- yeah. And so on. Best so, thing is, is, is get it cut out properly and, well, and do a full root removal. Yeah, that's where I stray from the, from the, the, the common advice. And uh, the solution is to kill the tree before you cut it down. Yeah. And you do that, so say on an average black poplar, one inch or a one foot stump, say, um, go out earlier than this, but even if you did it this time of the year, you go onto the trunk and you drill holes at a downward angle and on a one foot stump i would probably drill eight holes at least a three quarter inch hole fairly close to the center as you can and then spread those holes out so you can put them up higher if you want for comfort level and then um, mix up roundup at its normal uh, concentration probably no more than two ounces per gallon of water you don't want to get it too hot because it could burn tissues and then stop the translocation so uh, mix it up, maybe two ounces per gallon, and uh, pour it into the holes. And okay. pick a wine cork in every hole, and then probably go and back, let it stew. Let it, yeah. Check it every three, four days because the tree will absorb the Roundup solution. Okay. And of course, sorry, the, Stan, I gotta go. I'm sorry, I'm right at the end. I'm got. Uh, I got. I'm out of time here. So I think we got the gist of it. Thank you so much. All right, and again, thanks for everybody for for calling in, and uh, and uh, a quick little happy birthday to my wife. It's her birthday tomorrow, so happy birthday, Carolyn! And I'm out, and we'll get our garden on here next week, right here on 770 CHQR.